You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. I've entitled this sermon today, folks, The Fear of the Lord. What does it mean to be afraid? As you know, I didn't do a children's address today, but if I had it done a children's address, I have a, a, a plastic bag that's sitting out in the minister's room with loads of different ties inside it. The first tie was my primary school tie from Drummacoe's Primary School in Limavati. The second one was my secondary school tie from Limavati High School. The third one was a prefix tie. I must have been a really good boy when I got one of those. The third tie would have been my grammar school tie. And I'll not say much about the grammar school because there's an ex-grammar school Limavati teacher in here, but I couldn't find the tie for it. And then the last tie that I had was the tie that I got when I joined the staff of the Belfast City Mission. And on every one of those occasions, fear overcame me. I remember in primary school, I had a teacher called Mrs. Campbell in P1, and she had a big, deep voice, and she goes, John! And I've met her in Limavati since many times, and she still has that big, deep voice that I remember when I was five years of age, which was a million years ago. And all of those ties have memories for me, memories usually of being scared. But what does it mean to fear God? It's not being scared of God, but it means to fear Him. To fear God is to know God, to love God, to care about the things that God cares about, to have compassion for the people that God cares about, and also to be chastened for the sin that we commit before God. Folks, how many of us are young people here who think the world's our oyster? Maybe some of the older folk felt like that when they were younger. And, And what happens is that you think not only the world's your oyster, but that you know every solitary last thing there is to know about everything. And therefore, you don't need to listen to your parents. You don't need to listen to your grandparents because what they have to say is outdated. That was for yesteryear, not for now. See, folks, to know God, to love God, to have compassion on the people that God has created, that means all of us around us, to be chastened by God means that we are God-fearing. To fear God is to comprehend somewhat of God's awesome power, His holiness, by comparison to our thorough and complete unworthiness. Because that's what we are, unworthy and unholy. To fear God is to live out a life of reasonable service for God in Christ giving everything to Him, all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He wants it all. Not second best, folks. Not third-hand goods. Not away at the bottom of the priority list. But everything. Everything. You see, to fear God is to know God and to love His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the fear of the Lord. There's three things that I want to leave with you 
today, verses 1 and 2, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. What do we find here? Well, we find fear that furnishes our hearts, that encourages us, that challenges us, that, that refreshes us, folks. My son, what do we see all of the adjectives to describe what my son has been called to? If you receive, if you treasure, if you make your ear attentive, if you incline your heart, what does that do for us as it furnishes our hearts that facilitates development in our spiritual walk, folks? You see, these words and these commands and these instructions shape us so that we are sons and daughters of the kingdom of God. But what do we do with these words? You have to receive them. You have to treasure them. It has to be like precious ointment and silver and gold to you, beyond all of those things. Your ear needs to be clued in to what God is saying to you through His Word, attentive to using the sanctified common sense that God has given to us, and then to incline our hearts to want to understand God's Word, and not only to understand it, but then to live it out to see that spiritual development in our lives. That's what the fear of the Lord does. Not only does it facilitate development within us, but it also dispels all the fallacies that are out in the world. And the greatest fallacy of all, the greatest uh, trick that Satan has in his bag of goodies is this that you ought to be what you ought to be and that you ought to be self-sufficient. And folks, that's what holds us back from trusting the Savior, that we think we're good enough, that we think we're better than we are, that we think we can work our way to heaven. Stafford Carson, who was the former principal in Union, used to describe it as this. He described it as a work say salvation a tick box exercise. And that's Satan's biggest grip on society, that you will be good enough no matter how you live, no matter what you are, who you are, where you're from, or anything else you're good enough anyway. And he massages your ego. That's what he does. That's a lie. That's a dangerous lie, folks. But when we fear and know and love the Lord, that dispels that fallacy that we are self-sufficient. And it is a shield to the belief in such things. My son, if you receive my words, if you treasure my commands, if you use your ears properly to wisdom and your heart to understanding, then not only does it facilitate development and dispel fallacy and falsehood, but it also establishes faculty. It helps you use your head. You see, we grow in Christ, folks, as we learn more about Him, and we need to learn more about Him. There's so much to learn about the Savior that we don't know. And the bottom line of it all is that we will only know the fullness of it all when we see Him as He is, face to face. And you'll never be able to see Him face to face unless you've lived from this side of eternity. That's the bottom line, folks. We grow in Christ as we learn more about Him. 
if you receive his words and treasure up his commands and make your heart attentive to uh, listening to him, and that understanding and wisdom that comes from such, then that's how you get to grow in Christ. So fear that furnishes our hearts. Secondly, fear that focuses our intentions. We're living in a world full of famine, not only just physical famine, folks, uh, spiritual famine. If you were to ask any minister, I would say, if I was to ask Tom here, as he is here today, whenever all services went online and the gospel was being heard by many more people, maybe people were digging in and out of it, dipping in and out, and we thought, church opens again, they'll all be back and they'll be that. And it's not like that. It's not like that. And yes, many more people might have heard the message, but we haven't seen rafts and rafts of conversions. We haven't seen rafts and rafts of people saying that they are asking the Lord for salvation. We haven't seen that. And we're living in a world full of famine. Not only physical famine, but spiritual famine. Because the verses 3 and 4 really talks very clearly here. It says, yes, if you call out for insight, if you raise your voice, if you seek like it for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. There's something proactive about this, folks. There's something, activity involved in this famine that lies in our land. We need to cry out to God. We need to call out to God for his gifts. It's not a passive thing that we ought to do. You see the words here, all the descriptive phrases? Call for insight, raise voice for understanding, seek and search. You see, when we call out to the Lord and we cry out to the Lord God for all his gifts, the Lord is not short and armed to bestow upon us the things that he wants to give to us, that he desires to give to us. But we're living in a land of spiritual famine. We're living in a land where people are becoming more passive. And also, simultaneously more aggressive towards the gospel. And there's a famine in the land. The second thing we see is that fear that focuses our intentions not only does it quench famine, but it undermines familiarity. Familiarity, though, phrase breeds contempt. You see, when we have insight and when we understand, it reforms us, folks, in our walk with God. And we are a church that is a reformed church which is interested in reforming. It's very easy to become familiar familiar with the desk and school, familiar with the family, familiar with the place you live, familiar with the people that you hang about with, familiar, familiar, familiar. And that familiarity breeds contempt. Because then we don't look to have insight into the Word of God. We don't look to understand what it means, and we don't look to have any reform in our walk whenever we become familiar and comfortable. Scott was saying about the prayer meeting. Folks, it's vital. It's indispensable that people come to pray. And if you know and love a Savior, you ought to come to pray. And yes, people say things like, oh, well, I can pray at home. And that's great. That's brilliant. It's good that you're praying at home. I encourage that. Pray without ceasing. Just keep your eyes open when you're driving the car. But we need to be prayer, folks. Let's put it like this, and I've said this to some of the elders. Why would God want to furnish, 
to come for a new union road with a new minister unless people's prepared to pray about it? Why would they? Why would he? Sometimes we can be so familiar, folks, and get comfortable and feet up and, you know, the, the dressing gown on and the coffee in our hand. And, and I've said it to my own folks as well, people who haven't come back out to church because they've got comfortable sitting in the house watching it online. There's loads of things. Insight, understanding, reforms us in our walk, and we cannot be reformed unless we call out for, seek for, search for that hidden treasure of the Word of God. Not only does this fear that focuses our intentions quench famine and undermine familiarity, but engenders fellowship. Because we have, whenever we know and love a Savior, sweet, precious assembly in Christ. That's why we come to public worship, folks. That's why we come to pray. That's why we have mystery endeavors. That's why we have mystery updates. That's why, you know, we're able to talk about Cornerstone and the Netherlands. Because we have a connection with them. And it's not only just a physical connection, it's a spiritual connection. Because we're brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And that's why we need fellowship. We are not independent people. This is not an independent denomination that does its own thing in a wee group. It's a fellowship. And folks, that's why we need to call out to the Lord. That's why we need to cry to Him. That's why we need to raise our voices. That's why Jesus Christ and salvation in Him is like a hidden treasure. And that's what we really need. And that's where intentions need to lie, folks. The third thing, verses 5 and 6, if we have fear that furnishes our hearts and fear that focuses our intentions on the, the true and proper and righteous and upright things of God, then we need to have fear that fortifies our walk. The late Reverend I.R.K. Paisley said at one stage, I don't know if it was true or not, but I would assume it was, that uh, W.P. Nicholson prayed for him that he would have a backbone like a crowbar and a height like a rhinoceros. And you know something, I pray that for myself every day, that I would have a backbone like a crowbar and a hide like a rhinoceros, an impenetrable hide, because that's what you need in ministry. doesn't mean that you're a punch bag, but you do need perseverance. And you do need a close walk with the Saviour. The old hymn says, Oh, for a closer walk with God, a calm and a heavenly frame, a light that shines upon the road that leads us to the Lamb. That's what we all need. And that fear that fortifies your walk in verses 5 and 6, it says then. So after you've received the word, after you've treasured up the commands, after you've made your ear attentive to wisdom, after you've inclined your heart to understanding, after you've called out for insight, after you've raised your voice for understanding, after you've seek these things like silver and hidden treasure, then what? You will, it says, understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. That helps us walk with him. That encourages faithfulness within us, folks. And we need to work at that. We need to work at understanding. And we need to be persevering. It's called the perseverance of the saints. And it's hard to be a Christian 
in this world. I was chatting to one of my former colleagues last night, and he was, we were talking about the, the broad road and the narrow road. And he was talking about something that happened in London that a million and a half people were at on a broad road, folks, that leads to terrible destruction that they have not even comprehended as yet. God wants us to be faithful to him, but he wants us to persevere with him. He really does. And that will fortify your walk with him every day. If you're a believer today, we ought to have a walk with God every day. That's what we need. And we need to be faithful in it, even in times of faithlessness, even in times of difficulty, even in times where your back is against the wall, even in times where you do not know where to turn, even in times where the tears are chopping you. Faithfulness is vital, folks. Perseverance is indispensable. And from that faithfulness then comes fruitfulness. It says, when you then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you'll find the knowledge of God for the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. You see, to know and love the Savior and to walk with the Savior bears a fruit, it bears a harvest. And folks, there's a harvest out there. That's a harvest of souls. Souls that need to understand. Souls that need to find the knowledge of God. Souls that need to hear God's wisdom. And then to understand that they're sinners in need of a Savior. That's a harvest. Now, is that harvest just for the work or the labor of elders, the oversight, the men in this congregation? No, it's a job for all of us, folks. We always need more help, more leaders, more, 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 more. And fruitfulness comes when people get together and act and behave like a true fellowship, as in our fruitful fellowship. Whenever all the bits of the body work together properly, the hand and the, the arms operate properly, the heads attached to the neck and the rest of the body, the feet do what they're supposed to do. We're all part of that body if you know and love a Savior. And in order to garner in that harvest, every bit of that body needs to work correctly. And that's what will fortify your walk as an individual believer, but also as a fellowship here in Union Road Presbyterian Church. And that will bring undoubted fruitfulness in Christ. The last thing, this fear that fortifies your walk also leaves fulsomeness. Did you ever have a feed of stuffed chips or something and afterwards you didn't really feel that full? And he wanted to go again to the chapel and get another feed. Maybe you're not like me, thankfully. But you didn't really feel full. Or maybe you went to some high-class restaurant and you got a, a plate and there was the tiniest wee thing in the middle of it that wouldn't have filled the sparrow's finger. And you're looking at it going, I spent 25 quid on that. And there's no fulsomeness from that particular meal. But what we find in God's Word is absolute, complete, and unmitigated fulsomeness. Whenever we trust the Savior, whenever we open up to Him, whenever we follow Him, whenever we love Him, whenever we search for Him, whenever we listen to Him, whenever we leave self behind, folks, and know what that completeness in Christ looks like, 
whenever you've repented of your sin, when you've turned to the Savior, that wisdom and doing such a, a, a thing that we can't do in and of ourselves leads to knowledge, and that knowledge leads to understanding, and that understanding leads to fulsomeness in Christ. The fear of the Lord. If you desire to be a fulsome Christian, it's time to fear the Lord. Fear a God who cares about you, who loves you, but who hates your sin. Fear God who is able to cast you out of his presence forever. Focus your intentions on Jesus Christ who is able to save you even to the uttermost and to fortify your walk in a world that is ungodly, unholy, unrighteous, and on a lost road to a lost eternity. Wisdom leads to knowledge. Knowledge leads to understanding. What a day, folks, that's going to be whenever we see Jesus Christ as he is, when everything will make sense, and where the pain and the suffering and the anxiety and all the other massive, terrible, awful things that go on in this world will become a distant memory. It will be obliterated. But is that where you're going to be eternally? If the Lord was to call you today, is that where you're going to be with the Savior forever? Because you fear the Lord, you know Him and you love Him and you're following Him. And if you're not, how are you going to respond today? Thank you.